is in uh, Luke 22, verse 31 to 34. This is the, the apostle Peter or Simon, same, same guy. And it's basically Jesus speaking to him. And this is a very sobering moment because Jesus tells him something he does not want to hear. And what we see is we didn't get a glimpse into the spiritual realm, which we don't always have. We don't know what's happening in the unseen. But in this picture, we get a bit of a, a taste of what is, what's actually happening in the unseen. And Jesus lets us into that. And he says, Simon, Simon, or Peter, Peter, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. I'm going to get back to that in a moment. Satan wants to sift Peter like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And then Peter goes on and he says, uh, Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter's saying, I'm strong, Lord. I will not have this weakness in my life. I know you say I'm weak, but I am strong. That's what Peter says. <laughs> I'll, I'll do anything for you. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And this is such an interesting picture because what we see is that although there is an earthly realm, only what we see and touch and taste and hear, and us as Westerners, we don't like to think about what's happening spiritually around us so much. We are very much um, uh, materialistic in our, in our being. There is a spiritual realm. Even the word that Dean brought, that could be very well be what is happening, and it's things that we do not see. And we have to open our eyes and say, yes, Lord, although I don't see it, I believe out of the Bible that there is a spiritual realm at work. There's a real devil. It's not just a figment of our imagination or a figment of the Bible. There's a real devil. There are real demons. There are real angels. There's a real God. There are real things that we do not see that is working behind the scenes and playing into our lives, very much so. And so Jesus is actually doing us a favor, and he's saying, let me show you what's actually happening with many of your lives, but in this instance, with Peter. And he says, basically, and we see this elsewhere in the Bible, I'm going to read you another instance just now, we see that there's basically a meeting between the devil and God, right? And the devil comes to God, and he has to ask God to do harm to one of God's followers. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. But the devil can't do anything unless God gives him permission to actually do that. And so he comes. He is still, um, Mike had this amazing thing that when I spoke to him. He said, all of the tough things that we go through in life where the devil wants to crush us is father filtered. It all goes through the father. The devil needs to come before the father. We see this reality in the spiritual realm. He comes before the father and asks permission to be able to do that to him. There's another interesting example of this that, I'm gonna, that I want to read to you, and it's, it's a guy called Job. Job has this really bad. <laughs> and those of you who know the story about Job, basically his entire life was taken away from him. And I had a conversation with Mac and Odin the other day where their son lifted this out. He said, imagine how horrible his wife had to be because she was not taken away from him. <laughs> she... <laughs> She was part of the problem. God is going to be like, I will let you suffer as much as a human being can suffer. I'll leave your wife with you. <laughs> right? I don't believe why my wife is like that. I believe some of the others don't feel like that. But in this case, <laughs> in this case, that is what happened. 
I want to read you that because it gives us even more of a glimpse in what is happening not only in Job's life, not only in Peter's life, but I'm telling you this is happening in your life whether you know it or not. Satan is coming before the Father and he's asking, I want to sift these people like wheat. I want to pull them away from their relationship with you. I want to make them despondent. I want to make them lose hope. I want to make them turn their back on you. Or I want to make them love something else more than they love you. Satan wants to get to each one of us. So let's look at this, Job 1 verse 8. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? And then Satan says, But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against them do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. Satan asked permission, and he wanted to get into Job's life. He wanted to get into Peter's life. Now, there's a sobering reality as we listen to this story of repentance today that each one of us have an area that the devil and the spiritual realm is trying to work into your life at the moment. I listened to this sermon. It's probably the only sermon I remember from the church I got saved into. It was a, it was a duomini, very tall guy, and I remember him preaching like this. It's the only thing I remember out of all the sermons that I was there for two years. And he said the following. He said, you are either coming out of a storm or you're in a storm at the moment or you are about to head into a storm. I want to rephrase that. You either were just tempted by the devil or you're busy being tempted by the devil or you are about to be tempted by the devil. I want to say just walking with God, seeing people's lives, seeing my own life, I think that that is true to an extent, but I want to take it a, a, a bit further. And I want, I want to say that I think always, all of us, in every, in every season of our lives, the devil is always trying to get to us. He never relents. He never lets go. Yes, there are seasons that are more difficult, but he will never relent. He wants to crush you. He wants to, as the Bible word says with Peter, he wants to sift you like wheat. And I, I want to just go into this picture a little bit today. I might be reading into the Bible a little bit, but it, it's helped me to just understand this, um, to understand this concept. Because it is difficult to think that when we go through difficult times, yes, it is the devil doing it, but God has allowed it. Just think of the difficult things in your life. Think of the areas that the devil is trying to get to you. Some of you, there is pornography knocking at your door right? That's really difficult to see. Where is God involved? Where is the devil involved? Where is my own stupidity involved? Because yes, your own stupidity is also involved here. Where are these things? Where do they come from? Um, I'll get to a few other examples. Some of you have, um, let, me, let me say a few. I just wrote down a few. I had a coffee with a guy this week about, uh, that has same-sex attraction. And in the last two years, I've had so many people reaching out. It's like God has really been bringing this into the light. Where does it come from and what do we do with these things? Where is God when it hurts? Where is God when I don't know what's going on in me? Where is it the devil? Where is it me? It's just, it is so confusing. And some of you are feeling a turmoil. You're feeling this wrestle. Some of you are struggling in your relationships. You're struggling to not cross boundaries. You're falling in sin there and the devil is trying to get you in those instances. Some of you have fallen in love with money or money is knocking at your door and it wants to be your master. Some of you are dealing with offense. Might even be today that you don't understand this, and offense wants to creep into your life. But there are a myriad of ways 
that the devil really wants to actually come into each one of our lives. And it's so difficult to actually understand how this works. So I want to look at this picture of, of um, being sifted like wheat. And I want to look up just how this actually works. And it's so interesting. When you sift wheat, there are two processes that you actually go through. The one is the threshing. You call it the threshing or threshing floor. And what that basically is, is as you take your wheat and you want to separate the kernels of wheat, the parts that you can actually eat, the parts that are actually good for something, what you do is firstly you throw all of it on the ground after you've harvested and you stomp on it. So you go, you literally stomp on it because what you want to do is as you stomp on it, you want to let the, the, um, the basically the leaves and everything come off so that you only sit with the parts of the wheat. So you stomp on it. You want to crush it as much as possible. And then secondly, after the threshing, there's something called winnowing. And winnowing is basically what they do is when there's a wind that blows, they take something like a rake and they take the parts that are left after the big parts have come off. And they, when there's a wind that comes through, they throw it into the air so that the wind will blow away all the chaff, all the little pieces that are like flesh, that it's nothing. It's useless. You can't do anything with it. That gets blown away by the wind and all that remains is that which is actually useful. That's all that remains. And so this is just a picture for me. It's semi-biblical, okay? It's like I see it in the Bible, but it really helps me to make sense of it. Because when I look at my circumstances, there are scriptures that tell me that I'm involved in the testing and the trial and the difficulties that I go through in my life. The sin in me leads to these things, right? If you lose your job, it might not be the devil. It might not be God. It might be because you were late, right, to your job. If, uh, if, whatever, if you, if you don't have money, it might be your own stupidity. It might be because you're not spending your money wisely. So there's my own stupidity, my own mistakes. Then there are scriptures, as I said, that teaches that God is involved and that the devil is involved. And how I see it is, in every circumstance, every difficulty that you go through, there is an element to which Satan is involved. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to do the first part of the process. He wants to crush you. That's all he wants to do. He doesn't want good for you. He doesn't want you to come out of your circumstances. He wants you to turn your back on God. But in that same difficult thing that you go through, what God wants to do is he wants to winnow you. He wants to throw you in the air, let the wind of his spirit blow through and wash away and blow away everything that is not of him so that only that which is pure will remain. If you go through a difficult time, the devil has an agenda and God has an agenda. God wants you to see what is not of him so that you can repent, turn to him, and only hold fast to what is good and true and of him. And he wants everything to be blown away, anything else. The devil wants to crush you underneath his feet. He does not want you to stay a Christian. And so 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 to 13 says the following. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Meaning, the things that you go through, you are not as special as you think. Some of you sit here and you might be struggling with pornography and you thought that you were the only one. You're not the only one. There are others. Some of the women sitting here today, you are struggling with pornography. And I feel so sorry for women because I had a, a similar public repentance and there were many women that came out. And I think women have a similar struggle than people in ministry. You think, I'm not allowed to sin like this. This is a sin for guys. It's not a sin for me. 
or it's a sin for those who are not in ministry. It's not a sin for me. But let me tell you, the devil will get into anyone's life, male or female. He'll get into your life. He wants to do that. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And I want to encourage you to bring it into the light. Do not let it hold you back. Do not think that it's only you. Take this moment. I'm going to speak about this. Take this moment because God is going to keep knocking on your door. He's going to keep winnowing you until you come to a point of realizing that you are weak and you need the help of God and the fellow people around you. It says God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But sometimes it feels like that. (laughs) And the reason it feels like that is I believe sometimes God wants you to come to a point of failure because that is the only way in which you will reach out to him and say, God, I, I can't do it. I need you. He will do that. But he will also provide a way of escape. That way of escape is not an easy way of escape many times. It's a difficult way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I want to go back to the story of Peter. The first thing is there is a very real battle was for his life and is for your life. It looks different for each one of you, but it's happening at the moment. And I I wonder if I had to ask you not, not whether... Satan is trying to come into your life, but how he is trying to come into your life. If you had to try and answer that question, imagine for a moment that he's definitely trying to come into your life, because I think he is. Where would the area be that he's trying to find a foothold in you? It could be bad things, it could be sin, it could be things that look good but take the place of God. Where is he trying to find a foothold in your, pl- in your life? But I want to go back to the story of Peter, because our God is so good that he will not leave you in your sin. He will not leave you in your sin. He will keep reaching out to you. And it's so beautiful what he does to Peter. Peter is the macho man, right? Peter says, Lord, if everyone betrays betrays you, I will never do it. Right? I will never do it. I'm better than them, basically, is what he's saying. I will go even to death. And what God needs to do is he needs to show him his weakness so that he can cry out to the Lord. And Jesus is just so clever. And he comes, I want to read you this because it's just so... Beautiful. And God will use circumstances in your life to come and knock on your door and say, can you see you can't do it? Can you see you can't overcome on your own? Can you see that you are weak? Come on, come on, reach out to me, cry out to me, bring it into the light, bring it to your fellow people. He will do that. That's what he did with Peter. Let's read Luke 22, verse 56 to 62. Then a servant girl, seeing Peter as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, and I mean, this might, must have been God that just put that woman there. I don't think this has just, just happened to be. I think God put this woman there to show Peter, hey man, you're not as strong as you think. This man also was with him. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them, one of the disciples. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour still, another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord that he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept wept bitterly. God wants you to come to a place of weeping bitterly. Before him. 
If you do not come to that place of vulnerability, if you do not come to that place of saying, Lord, I just really cannot do it. Lord, you've shown me so many times that I just cannot do it. it it's it's going to be so difficult for you to really break free from the place where the devil is trying to find a foothold. And God is going to continue bringing circumstances. And I actually think today is one of those moments. Is it the first, second, or third knock for you? Knock on the door. God's saying, come, my son, come, my daughter. I need you to come out. I need you to speak. I need you to cry out to me. Matthew 21 verse 44 says, And the one who falls on this stone, speaking of Jesus, will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush them. I want to really encourage you, rather fall on Christ. Say, Lord, I can't do it before you are crushed. Before he falls on you and you are crushed. Take the time. The time is now to really come out and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Um, maybe I've got some time. I just want to tell you a bit of a personal story out of my life. I might have told this before to some of you. But uh, I, had a, I, I had this desire for the longest time to go into full-time or to, to, to lead a church, to plant a church and to lead a church. And I've told some of you this. And at some stage, I just really had this desire. I felt like I want to do it. I want to be used by God. I really want to be used by God. And you know, as, as I just mentioned, God is so faithful. And He will come show you your weakness. He'll come show you where you are about to trip up in the future because He wants you to succeed, actually. And one evening, I had this dream. And in this dream, Carla and I uh, were expecting our first baby. And we were in a, basically in a, in a shed on a farm. Lots of people around just waiting for this baby to be born. And I remember this dream so clearly. It's really a vivid dream that I remember. And we were waiting. And, and as all of us were standing waiting for the baby to be born, which I think represented a new phase, new ministry, things where God want, wanted to use me in. As we were waiting for this, one of the farm workers came in. And as he came in, I knew what had happened. His face just told me all about it. The baby had been born and died prematurely. And the baby did not make it. And I remember in this dream just falling to my knees and crying out like, God, please help me, please help me. But I felt God speaking to me in a warning, saying there are areas of your life that I need to sort out before you can do anything for me of significance. If you step into the things that I'm calling you prematurely before facing your test, bringing it into the light and dealing with it, you are going to fail in front of other people. And listen to this beauty of God. I just, I, I get shivers thinking about it. Then God in his kindness, he allows me to fail before people. But he does it in the most gracious way. A while later, I actually step into that place. I thought that I de dealt with my sin. It was three years ago. And pornography was exposed in my life. And I know this is difficult. You think all the elders, hey man, we're living in difficult times. <laughs> it's not an excuse. We've broken free. Three years I've been walking free from it. It's been beautiful. Some of the other elders as well. God is restorative actually. But I stepped into a place of public ministry, and God had warned me not to do it. But I thought I was ready. I thought I could do it. And then in front of people, the, the church had, I don't know, had, had grown to, I don't know what size at that stage. We were, we were growing quickly. We had a, a growth spurt, I think, from 40 to 120 in the first six weeks. There was just a massive growth spurt, and it was exciting. I was riding this wave of, like, being excited about what God was doing. And then God brought me to a place of weeping bitterly. He brought me to a place where I just knew, like, I can't face this thing anymore. And I brought it before people. And I, it was one of the most difficult times of my life. And I've said this before. The worst thing that ever happened to me was that. 
coming into the light with that sin. The only thing that would have been worse is if that never happened. It's the only thing. It was one of the most difficult but one of the most freeing times of my life. The Lord coming in because God will persist in your life. He will warn you. He will give you dreams. He will send people around you. He will send a message like this. He'll bring you to this church and let people stand up and confess before you because he sees what Satan wants to do, but he wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. John 21 verse 15 to 17. This is the story later. So Peter, first he thinks he can do it. Secondly, he comes to a place where he realizes he can't. He needs God. Right? He weeps bitterly. He finds humility. And then thirdly, in John 21, we see God actually coming and restoring him. The beautiful thing is that when Peter was at his weakest moment, you know what Jesus said to him? Not if you return. He said, when you return. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. Jesus looks at you. He sees your failure. He sees my failure. He looks into our depths. There is nothing we can hide from him. But he looks at us in our nakedness, in our shame, and he says, it's okay. When you return, I'm going to use you to even strengthen your brothers. That is the redemption of God. That is the God that I serve. He doesn't say, well, try your best. Maybe you'll get through it, and maybe then I can use you. He says, no, I pray for you. I believe in you. I will be there to strengthen you, humble yourself, and then I will make you even to be one who can help other people. And so there's this beautiful moment where Jesus then actually restores Peter after he comes to a place of humility. And I'm going to call us later to come to a place of humility. A place of saying, hey, I'm hoping God doesn't have to keep knocking, but that we, that we actually come to this place. So John 21, verse 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my sheep. Number one, he does this three times. How many times did, did Peter deny Jesus? Three times, right? Three times. Now Jesus comes to him. For every one of the failures, Jesus speaks acceptance over him again. It's beautiful. We must see these things. It's beautiful. He says, now that I know that you love me, you've come to a place of humility, go and feed my sheep. He's restoring him into a place of ministry. And the second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him for a third time. Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. I've come to a place of loving you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And so God comes into a place of restoring him. You know, when we face our trials and temptations, and when we allow God into that place, that is where we go into the place where God really starts using us. You'll see Jesus in Matthew 4. If you go read that, it's really a beautiful part of the scripture. Jesus is beloved by God. And in Matthew, towards the end of Matthew 3, I'm not going to read it. Jesus is loved by God. He gets baptized. God speaks out of heaven. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He is in the best place of his life. He is like getting goosebumps when he worships. He's in that good place, all right? It's like in a really good place with God, <laughs> Jesus. And out of that place, Revelation, I don't have it on here, Revelation 3.19 says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Out of a place of being in the love of God, Jesus is in the love of God. He's in the pinnacle of his life and the acceptance of God. God says, now the Spirit will send you into the wilderness to a time of testing. That's a beautiful thing. 
And as Jesus goes through this time of testing, I'll let you into it, he actually succeeds. We do not many times. He succeeds. And as he is successful, right after that, he said, as he came out of the desert, as he came out of the time of testing, he started his public ministry. As we go through these times of testing and we cry out to God, God will start using us even more. You know, I've had, I've had the privilege now of, initially I didn't want to do it. So I felt so bruised and, and like, I'm not good enough. And I'm not. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm weak. I feel like Paul. I'm the worst of sinners. He said it's a, it's a um, saying worthy of imitation. I feel like I want to imitate him. Yes, I'm the worst of sinners. I don't feel worthy. But I've had so many people... I've had my testimony and me coming into the light and me dealing with my sin. I know that it's had such a beautiful impact on other people. And I've been able to help others as God has helped me. That's the beauty of God. That's what he wants to do with you. So I don't know where you are in the process. I don't know if you're really being overcome by the devil. You've fallen into sin completely. You might be sitting here, but that doesn't mean anything. And it, as I just want to emphasize this again. It does not always mean blatant sin. It could mean that something else has grabbed onto your life and you love it more than God. A hobby, right? Cycling. I'm just mentioning a few things. Think about it all the time, but do you think about God? Your job. <laughs> I mention it, your job. It's not what you're here for. The devil is crafty, man. He's not always going to come with a pitchfork. It's going to come and replace the love of God with the love of other things. I don't know if you're there. I don't know if this is God knocking on your door for the umpteenth time saying, come on, my son, my daughter, you're not as strong as you think. Well, I don't know if today is the time where he's going to come and restore you to say, now that I've seen you coming through the test, I want to start using you more. But can I ask us to stand? This is a difficult one. I almost want to pass the mic on. <laughs> I don't know if I... Um, but it's not me. Like God needs to speak. Like I've learned a long while ago that preaching only takes you that far. God needs to work in your heart now, and we can't force that. There needs to be a working of God in your heart to say, like, Lord, I, I need it. And you don't need it the same way as James. Like You don't need to come stand here before everyone. God has that for specific people in his body. But you need to come to a place of vulnerability and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. So I'm going to make a bold call. I don't know if it's okay. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I'm going to make a bold call and say, some of you, I think, are being overwhelmed by the devil. You're struggling. He's gotten a foothold and you want people, you want to say enough is enough. I need people to stand around me. Can I ask if that's you, that you would come out to the front so we can pray with you? This is a bold step. maybe spread out here to the side even. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a holy moment because it's a difficult moment. I know the feeling. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible, but it's, it's a God moment actually. When we're able to say, Lord, I just, I'm willing to put my reputation on the line. I'm willing to stand up in front of these people and say, I need help.
I need help. So what I'd actually love is, there's a lot of people here in front, but I'd love us to actually pray for them as a body. And I'd love us to come around them and actually pray for them. And I don't want us to skip over anyone. And those of you standing here, if you feel, if you feel the courage to do it, can I ask you, the people who are standing, maybe go to people that you know, unless you don't want someone that you know, which is possible as well. But if you are willing and if you've got the courage, can I ask you to actually bring it into the light? Tell them what it is. Name it by name so that you can break the foothold of the devil. Tell people about it. If you don't do it today, I want to encourage you, don't let this weekend pass before you send someone a message saying, I need to speak to you. So let's, wherever you're standing, if you've got faith, let's come pray. Can I ask you to raise your hand if you're standing in front? Just until someone is with you to come and pray for you.